0: This special Answers for Elders podcast honoring military veterans is sponsored by Carriage. For more information about Carriage, the website is C-A-R-E-A-G-E dot com. This is Chuck Olmstead with Answers for Elders. With me today is Richard Bostic. He was seaman first class in the Navy. And Richard, thank you for joining me today. Tell me about yourself.
1: I was born in uh, Pomona, California, uh, and uh, in 1927... May 28th, my folks were uh, from Montana and they had just a year previous to that moved from Montana to California and so I have a brother and a sister that are older that are older than I am or were older they're they're both deceased now but uh, <clears throat> and they were born in Montana so and I'm a uh, and the family was uh I have three brothers and three sisters. So there were seven children in the family. And uh, uh, my father uh, uh, was a, he always wanted to be a cowboy, (laughs) but never got the chance. Yeah. So what what took him to California? He he was raised on a a cattle ranch in in Montana. Mm -hmm. And when he moved to California, he... he, uh, Took up uh, making boxes to ship the fruit in to uh, the, uh, uh, you know, like uh, uh, grapes and and apples and and that kind of stuff. And he was very, very good at that and made an excellent uh, living Mm -hmm. uh, making those boxes. He would rent the machines, go to the site where the boxes were to be, uh, uh, where the fruit orchards were or whatever, and uh, he would make the things right on site and. Pile them up there, and they would use them, and ship the fruit, and put them in the box cars. Of course, ship most of them back east. Yeah.
0: Well, most of us, you know, you think about Southern California now, and the San Gabriel Valley along there, and it it was, uh, you know, it's full of population. But when you were born back there in in nineteen, what what year was it again? Nineteen twenty seven. Twenty seven. So that was mostly farming community and mostly well, groves back Tomola there. Pomona
1: was a small town about. Uh, probably had about 10,000 people in it uh, when I was, uh, when I was born and uh, uh of course at the end of the uh, at the end of World War II it had like 27,000 I think it was or something like that so it had grown quite a bit
0: yeah too. so you were about 14 years old at the start of World War II uh, 13 something, 14 years old there, yeah. so certainly you remember what that war effort was like and, oh, I, and I the followed impact. All of the, the battles and all that kind of thing, and I,
1: I thought if it goes on long enough, I'll join and and uh, do my part. And uh, <clears throat> so when I turned uh, seventeen, uh, I the war was still on, and so the the next month, I uh, it was May twenty eighth. And early the next month I went down and signed up for the Navy
0: interesting so that would have been about 1944 or that so was 44 1944 yeah
1: and uh, they the minimum requirements for getting in the Navy were uh, five foot and you had to weigh hundred and twenty pounds, and I just met those requirements <laughs> um, i apparently i hadn't started to grow uh-huh and i don't know why that was, but uh when I got into boot camp uh they uh they ran us through the the uh, uh obstacle courses and bar- marched us on the on the uh, uh the uh the field out there and all that. And uh, I began to uh, uh, not only uh, gain weight, but gain height. Mm -hmm. Uh, But every night I would go to bed and all of my uh, muscles and joints would ache.
0: You were going through (laughs) growing pains besides the (laughs) interesting.
1: (laughs) And 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 I, I think it was... Probably good that I was doing all that exercise mm-hmm. because I grew uh, about four inches, and uh, I, I think I gained about twenty pounds when I was uh, just going through boot camp and amphibious training. And where was boot? Where was that training? Uh, at? Amphibious. I took amphibious training down in Coronado uh, off of the beach down there, and uh, <clears throat> we. I, we practiced uh, with uh, LCB, LCVPs and LCMs, uh, bringing them through the surf and back off the beach. And uh, the idea was uh, someday to uh, uh, make a, uh, an assault landing on the, uh, one of the islands. But uh, and that's, that's, I'm, I don't want to jump ahead, but we never got a chance to make... A, a landing but so we did a lot of, uh, of other type of activity yeah. so
0: you were now what was your job specifically then you were a, a seaman first class so uh, what what I, was your job there i there. was
1: assigned to the lcm uh it was an lcm3 and I, it was number one the mm-hmm. number one uh, uh, uh landing craft on we carried uh, twenty. I think it was twenty-four landing craft on the uh, on the APA, mm-hmm. and they put them in the water, you know, and and took the troops ashore. But uh, uh, I had uh, that. I was very very proud. <laughs> a Seventeen year old, and they gave. I was eighteen by the almost eighteen by the time. Or seven, well, he's going on eighteen by the time. But uh, anyway, and. I could I I had a hard time uh, getting the uh, the uh, 35 mil uh, the 35 foot uh, LCVP through the 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 uh, uh, surf. I would get uh, I would back it off the beach. It had a single engine. I'd back it off the beach and it would begin to turn and I couldn't keep it from getting sideways Mm -hmm, to the waves mm -hmm. but the LCM I I could bring that straight back because it had twin engines and I could uh, control that and I got I was really good at it. interesting and uh, so they assigned me to that uh, and I was the coxswain of that uh, of that LCM on on the ship when we got on the ship and anyway I was on that ship for its entire uh, life in the Navy Eighteen months is basically the, the the total time from the time I got on the ship until the ship was decommissioned. Mm-hmm. And what ship was that? It was the APA one seventy eight. It was the USS Lander. I've got here. One of the officers on the ship made a a, a book. It's like a, a you know a high school An cooker, album, like, mm-hmm. an album with all the pictures and the and the story and everything. But
0: uh, <clears throat> now, was that ship a uh, Pacific or Atlantic? I it mean, was in the Pacific. It was Pacific. Okay. And,
1: and we, we, one of our, uh, two of our assignments, one of them was at, uh, uh, at Iwo Jima, we picked up some uh, wounded, and and also some uh, troops that were being relieved, uh, and uh, they were going back to, the, to the states, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Then our second uh, assignment uh, was, well, yeah, it was uh, Okinawa. And at Okinawa, we took, uh, we took away 560 Japanese prisoners and uh, we took 200 and some uh, troops that were being relieved. And... um, uh, we dropped those prisoners off in Ulysses, and they were. Uh, we transferred them to another uh, APA, and and then we went. I forget where we went from there, but the prisoner, the prisoners were dropped off at Ulysses. Oh, and we took the troops back to uh, uh, to uh, Hawaii to to uh, Pearl Harbor. Yeah.
0: Hmm, hmm. What year was that? Would that have been early '45 then?
1: It was in forty five yeah mm-hmm. and uh then uh
0: so you were in some pretty dangerous situations there
1: we were, but we never i never we never got the, uh, took a shell, we never fired at anyone, and no one fired at us, mm-hmm. but we did see the action at um uh, at especially at um uh, he was when we would come in at night, waiting. We were waiting to be able to to, to get the the uh, word to come in and and do what we were supposed to do there, pick up the the wounded and all that. But uh, it took us, I think, twenty days signing, uh, going back and forth. They had they thought they were going to secure that island in three days, mm-hmm. and it took them twenty six days to secure the island. So we came in just about probably uh, 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 just a few days before it was uh, declared completely secured. Uh, and uh, but each night when we'd come in, we could see the the lights of the the flashes of the guns, and they were uh, the Mount Suribachi was being saturated with uh, uh, with napalm because the Japanese had had put uh caves up into the up in the mount surabachi there and they they had guns like uh um, probably mortars and and that and they were shooting from up there so they had to get them out of there mm-hmm.
0: they had the they had the uh, they advantage had, of the elevation the didn't hand, they yeah yeah
1: so uh anyway it was very interesting uh uh and uh I never felt all the time that I was in the Navy. I never felt any danger for some reason, but I didn't worry about it. I thought if if it happened, it happened, you know. And, and uh, after the uh, after the Japanese surrendered, we went. We were the first wave to go in on the in the first wave to go in on the occupation. We were practicing for the invasion down in the Philippines when the, when the Japan surrendered. And uh, every man on the ship was disappointed that we didn't uh, get a chance to make a landing. And uh, when we saw how we would have had to go in on a landing uh, uh, to invade Japan, we realized we were very happy that we didn't have to do that because I think we would have uh, we would have had, our ship would have been, uh, totaled i think you know they had guns up on the up on the mountain uh, mm-hmm. up on the not on the mountain but on a ridge up here and and uh, they had uh, fake guns uh that they purposely made them so you could see them and uh if you shot at those you weren't going to be doing any good
0: yeah you know, yeah yeah
1: and uh so we we every man on the ship felt kind of lucky after we had gone in on the on the occupation. Yeah.
0: Well, the you know there's of course uh, the dro- the bombs that dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki were certainly terrible, but the reality is it saved a lot of lives, didn't I think it? It did, yes. And it, it yeah. could have saved your life. It did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how long were you involved then with the occupation? How long were you in Japan? Well,
1: we just went in there and took uh, a whole uh, troop, a whole shipload of troops in there to, you know, to, to go in. And we just were on the beach about uh, three days, I think, or something like that. Uh, but when we were unloading the, the stuff from the uh, ship, and the Japanese uh, local citizens came out and helped unload the boats.
0: Really? Yeah. They were were they they were glad to see you, or well, just happy they, that the war was I, I over? Don't know or? That
1: they were glad, but that some of them would bow to us, and mm-hmm. and they were very,
0: very helpful. You know, I mean, yeah, respectful. Yeah. yeah. So then, uh, what happened after that? After you were in Japan, and and uh, how many more years or months were I, you I in spent the service?
1: Two more years in the navy after the war was over. Uh, because i had signed up for a uh, minority cruise that's go in when you're 17 and get out when you're 21 mm-hmm. and so uh then the uh, the lander the uss lander went through the canal and and to uh, the east coast to get decommissioned and uh, i was uh, and i went through there with that and, I bet uh,
0: that was an interesting experience was, going through going the Panama to, Canal. Going
1: through the canal was very interesting. Yeah,
0: tell me yeah. about that.
1: Well, we—it's—it's uh, <clears throat> it's not a very exciting thing, but you go through, and, and they pump the the thing up till you're up to the le- level of the lake, and uh, Lake Gatun, or Gatun or whatever they, uh, however they pronounce it, and as we were going across the lake. We we broke out all the fire hoses and 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 washed down the ship with fresh water.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Uh huh. Uh
1: huh. Yeah, because uh, you know they get the ship gets pretty salty when it gets out there on the ocean. Sure. And uh, anyway, uh, the boat. Uh, I was in the boat group on the APA, and uh, the boat group when they when the ship wasn't when we weren't doing any of the boat, boating and you know going landing and all that we were actually part of the crew of the ship as well so we stood watches on the ship and all that and one of my watches was up in the uh, crow's nest uh, with the bearer binoculars looking out over the horizon mm-hmm. and uh, at one time i spotted a a um, a, a submarine a, a periscope mm-hmm. And I reported that to the bridge, and they says, uh, "Well, thank you. We've been in contact. He said it's friendly." <laughs> so well,
0: um, I'm sure that was a good feeling that it wasn't uh, it wasn't yeah, the enemy.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, but we were we were far enough away that I was pretty sure that it wasn't the enemy. We were we had just left. Uh, I think that we just left Pearl Harbor, and, and we weren't very far out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, anyway, what uh, was
0: life like aboard the ship when you were, when you were crossing, was it a tough? It,
1: a lot of it was working, keeping the ship in shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we would, uh, we would be, uh, uh, chipping the paint on the deck just about a hundred percent of the time. Somebody was chipping somewhere and you repainted the, the deck, uh, the, and, uh, some and then some guys will go over the side with a bosun chair, they call it, mm-hmm. and chip the sides of the ship and paint it. I've got a picture of the ship, I don't have it here, but I got a picture of the ship at home, and it looks terrible <laughs> because it's got all this patchwork painting done on it and mm-hmm. all that. It takes a lot to keep the ship. Uh, out well, there. that
0: salt water, especially that salt that, water, the the there in the heat, yeah. the heat and the salt. I'm sure it's yeah. just brutal on the yeah. on those ships, on those steel yeah. ships. So, what year did you uh, then get out of the navy? What, uh
1: I got out of the navy in in 1948, and I think it was uh, uh, probably either March or April, late March or early April. I can't remember which. Yeah.
0: And uh, and you 're twenty one years old you 've been in the service, and so what did you decide to do next
1: well i was uh when I got out of the service i was on the i had been on the the robert i payne the the destroyer escort for uh, the time after the uh, lander was decommissioned, and we did uh, maneuvers down off of Cuba but anyway uh what, I forget the question well, uh,
0: what did you do after the navy uh, oh yeah uh
1: uh I, I i was transferred from the uh robert i Payne to another ship to w- await discharge and and they gave me two two uh two choices uh both of them are, uh, i one of them i would get a a, a bonus of $700, I think it was, and the, and the other one was 1500 And I can't remember which was which. Uh-huh. One was if I would re, re, re-sign in the Navy, and the other one is if I would take the discharge. <laughs> so I was going <laughs> to get a bonus either way. Yeah, wow. Uh-huh. So uh, And I, think I, I don't think I got as much by uh, being discharged, but I wanted to get out because I wanted to get my education. Mm-hmm. And so I. So, did I, you
0: go on the GI Bill then?
1: I went on the GI Bill. I used the four four years of the GI Bill. Uh, I I went in the Navy before I I, I graduated from high school, but only because uh, my I took the uh, General Education Development test, the GED test, and I I graduated from G, uh, high school with that. But I had to make up my. <clears throat> All of my high school credits that that were needed to get into college. Mm-hmm. So I I I went to the first few first few uh, one or two semesters of uh, uh, junior college, making up these uh, credits that uh, that I didn't have because I left high school early, and so <clears throat> it took me. Uh, uh, oh, uh, two semesters, I think, at Mount San Antonio College, just outside of Pomona. And, uh, uh, let's see, where am I? Oh, yeah. And,
0: uh... That would have been about 1949 or so. Somewhere in there. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and, uh, oh, yeah. Then I, oh, then I went to, oh, I got, I got married, uh, just uh, shortly after uh, I, I was finishing up my uh, semester at uh, Mount San Antonio College, and uh, I had my first wife, and her her dad, uh, her father told me that he said that he would uh, help me to get through the rest of the years of college. You know, and I mm-hmm. thought, well, that would be great, and uh, uh, I. And he said I wouldn't have to ma- marry his daughter to, <laughs> to get there. <back. laughs> yeah. But he made it a point. He had helped other uh, other guys get through college, too, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but I uh, I was going with his daughter, and so I, I decided, well, I'll just ask her to marry me. And sure. And so I, she, did, she accepted, and then uh, we got married, and uh, that and. Then I moved to I went I went to Santa Monica City College, because that was in so I could prepare to go to UCLA. Mm-hmm. I, and I took two semesters at some, uh, Santa Monica City College, and I had to get a certain grade level uh, there before I could get into UCLA.
0: And what was your major at US, UCLA? Uh, uh,
1: electrical engineering. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I I. Uh, I was in my last semester at UCLA, no, not my last semester, I was in my, uh, uh, it would be my uh, junior year, the last, no, no, it was in the first semester, first semester of my last year, yeah, and I didn't make a good enough grade to continue, and uh, you have to have, you have to make a, uh, I forget what it is, you have to make it. Somewhere between a a, a B and a C average, and and I dropped down to a C average, a C minus or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so they said, I could finish college by uh, uh, taking, uh, but I'd have to take 19 credits, and... I'd have to keep a B average. I thought, well, I can't do that. Yeah. Wow! <laughs> so I decided, uh, and, at st- uh, and and I went to a job, uh, uh, one of these job fairs or whatever mm-hmm. it was, and McDonald Douglas was there, and they uh, interviewed me, and and they said they would like to have they would like to have me. Uh, Come and and interview with them, you know, and may and maybe take it, you know, maybe get hired. I said, sure, that'd be good. So uh, I went to I went and interviewed uh, with them, and and, uh, they uh, they said, well, we have a little a short test we give uh, to everybody that comes in. And so I sat down with the test and everything. And in about 20 minutes, I had done the whole test. And uh, I don't know what they were, what, it didn't seem very hard to me, but I handed in to the secretary and she says, you're done already? (laughs) And uh, I said, yeah. And she said, well, okay. And uh, apparently I must have done well on the test because they asked me if I could go to work the next day.
0: Wow, <laughs> working for McDonnell Douglas. Yeah. Now was that down in uh, Long that was, Beach that was uh, in, area?
1: In uh, Santa Monica. In Santa Monica. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they were they were uh, sent, uh, they were in Santa Monica, and they were working on the uh, six six B, uh, the six A and six B series uh, DCs. Airplanes, mm-hmm. DC-6A and DC-6B.
0: Which were propeller planes. Propeller. Mm-hmm. And,
1: and so uh, they first, when you first go to work there, they put you in, the, I didn't realize that, but they put you in what they call a deep freeze, uh, and they put you down there doing uh, uh, drawing changes. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, uh, after, you're after you supposed to be down there about six weeks, and then by that time you know that you've done a lot of... Uh, Drawing changes, and they figured they can put you up into the regular regular uh, uh company there well anyway, two weeks went by and and they gave me a, a two or three drawing changes every day and i I would do them and I'd turn them back into the the uh the guy that was in charge of the de-, de freezer and he had a hard time keeping me busy because i kept I kept getting doing. And I would catch a lot of errors that people would ask for changes that you couldn't do them the way they asked for them, and I'd point that out to them and and all that. And so, <clears throat> after about two weeks, they said, uh, "You're going to be. We're going to move you to the uh, radio wiring group." So they moved me out of the deep freeze into the radio wiring group and so we were making up radio wiring diagrams for the airplanes for all of the uh all of the avionics equipment and so i did that for uh, i don't know how long and uh, <clears throat> the uh there were uh, the DC7 when they finally uh, they came up with the DC7 and i was doing it on that and then Somewhere along the line, I can't remember exactly when, but they, they there were they were going to put uh, missiles up over in England, and they were the um, uh, the Thor missiles, mm-hmm. and they were going to put sixty of them up over in England, aimed at Russia. It was a secret or a secret plan, of course. But anyway, uh, they called me. Uh, uh, they they didn't call me they put out a little notice that they were gonna, they needed people to go on this, it was called the Emily Project. And they didn't tell you what it what it would do, what it was doing, but they told you, they gave us some idea of what it would be. And so I applied, there was, and there was 600 people applied to, for that thing. And there was only, I think they were taking 12 people or something like that and so that well, I was one of them and and I was supposed to be a they were making me a uh cons, customer service rep and I was going to go over there and teach the uh, uh British uh, uh army how to use our missile
0: <laughs> interesting
1: and uh but when I got over there the first pad there was three three missiles on each pad and the first pad was not completed, uh, and the they had they had made changes. Each of the pad engineers had made changes to his equipment, and they were all different. You know, to fix the same mm-hmm. problem, they'd do a different way. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they uh, they asked uh, uh, if we could uh, get some English. Uh, engineers to come in there and do drawing changes and get everything straightened out so they were all the same and I said I oh, yeah, I think we can do that and uh, th- uh, there was a place over there called Marshall Fly- Marshall's flying school and it had a, they did uh changes for aircraft and all that for the for their for their companies over there but we hired those guys and uh, we paid them uh, so much money that they 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 didn't want us they didn't want us to pay them a, a big salary because the taxes over there were such that after a certain time they after a certain level that the uh, uh, the government takes away their uh, that money in taxes about ninety percent of their money after a certain level mm-hmm. so they wanted us to give them a, a very high uh, what, what was it a, a per diem change? You know, for and so uh, they would come up from where were they uh, from down in Cambridge? They'd come up and live at a motel up there, and we paid them I think to, uh, almost as much as we were paying them to work mm-hmm. for per diem, <laughs> and that they got without taxes. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't tax that. So, but anyway. That was,
0: uh, How long did you end up working for McDonnell Douglas?
1: I worked 34 years for, 33 years, almost 34, 33 and a half years for McDonnell Douglas. Mm-hmm.
0: And what did you end up at the last, uh, before your retirement? What I, were you doing? I
1: ended up, I was a, a senior engineer scientist, and uh, I was responsible for the uh, navigation equipment on the DC 10 mm-hmm. and the KC 10.
0: Richard, I've so enjoyed your story today, and I want to thank you for your service and thank you for joining us today on this special Veterans Interview on Answers for Elders. This has been a special honoring veterans presentation of Answers for Elders, brought to you by Carriage. For more information about Carriage, the website is C-A-R-E-A-G-E.com. It's time to rethink.